Good afternoon, folks. My name is Sarah, and I use she, her pronouns. And my name is Sid, and I use they, them pronouns. In this episode, we will discuss and break apart the disastrous effects of a very popular ideology, liberal feminism. Feminism today is most often associated with women's rights movements, such as Me Too, with laws such as the 19th Amendment, with politicians like Hillary Clinton or AOC, and with body positivity campaigns. Although mainstream feminism is depicted as an advocacy for female empowerment, it actually fails to achieve this goal trapped by the very roots of its creation. Essentially, liberal feminism cannot fulfill its purpose because it lacks crucial intersectionality with marginalized groups and is rooted in the broad social institution of capitalism. But first, let's define one of the most important terms in this episode and in the study of feminism, intersectionality. The term was coined in 1989 by a black civil rights activist and lawyer named Kimberly Crenshaw who conveyed that black women face a different experience of oppression than other social groups of women. When asked in an interview to further elaborate on the term, Dr. Crenshaw explained that intersectionality, quote, mapped the ways that black women were marginalized within several discursive projects. Each of this, each of these discourses, anti-racism, feminism, and critical legal perspectives on laws, generated distinctive ways of capturing social disempowerment. Initially used to convey the form of oppression black women face, the term intersectionality became a landmark for many researchers and studying and activists studying the oppression of minority women and minorities within minorities. And if you are still confused, an example of a quote unquote minorities with a minority would be Sid and I. For me, I'm a Pakistani immigrant who is Muslim. Um, and I identify as non-binary and queer or gay. I'm also Asian. Asian. Sid is a Asian. <laughs> yeah, so without intersectionality and the inclusion of marginalized communities, the important project um, of feminism is considered superficial. In general, mainstream feminism tends to forget the intersectionality of race, class, queerness, religion, etc., and bases virtually the entire movement on the grievances of white women alone. These grievances include microaggressions at a high-paying job, demands to occupy male-dominated positions of power such as a CEO, landlord, or police officer slash military in general. Since these struggles cannot apply to many Black, Indigenous, and people of color, BIPOC, um, who are not only affected by misogyny, but by other forms of prejudices such as racism, queer, and transphobia, and so forth, Liberal feminism only discusses a small scope of women's issues today. Essentially, white women, especially middle-class white women, have centered themselves in a movement with its origins in multiracial and working-class struggle. White women, white womanhood should not be the center of the feminist movement, especially considering the ex extent to which it is weaponized to victimize wealthy white women and gaslight BIPOC and trans women. A few responses to indicate the manipulation seen by many white women is seen through the following phrases. I'm feeling attacked. You're calling me racist. How can you? But I'm the one who's been a victim all my life. The victimizing and gaslighting is further explained by a scholar named Ruby Hamad, who urges that white feminists 
have to look at racism as a structural problem that can only begin to be solved when they stop putting their hurt feelings ahead of their material harm. These individuals who are manipulative often fail to realize that the experience of sexism varies across race and that the bi-POC individuals experience with misogyny is equally as authentic. In order to resolve the domination of feminist struggles by whiteness, feminism must commit to an explicitly intersectional anti-racist platform, which is nearly impossible under the mainstream feminism. On a similar token, trans inclusion is a, necessi- is a necessity for feminism to be genuine. Feminism and queer liber- liberation have been intertwined for quite some time now. Both the feminist and queer liberation movements are centered around combating race-based oppression. You can actually see a lot of misogynistic oppression that translates into transphobic oppression. For example, transphobes attempt to reject the concept of and are thus hostile hostile toward trans feminine people because they see femininity as an inherently bad thing. Thus, we see these trans feminine people, uh, they, they see these trans feminine people as betraying masculinity because they challenge the patriarchy. This creates an environment in which trans feminine people are targeted for merely existing. Therefore, if feminists really cared about uprooting the patriarchy, they should be protecting these trans people from the misogynistic ideals that target them. Furthermore, as Kristen Price from the Marquette Law Review writes, quote, radical feminist theorists do not seek to make gender a bit more flexible, but to eliminate it, end quote. Trans-inclusive feminists thus seek to eliminate Western gender roles to combat gender oppression. Gender is merely a social expression, and the stereotypes that align with that binary male and female genders in Western culture creates an environment of gender-based oppression. Gender in itself is not condemnable because it serves as a way to express oneself. However, forcing people into a box of arbitrary labels like male and female not only oppresses that person, but upholds that patriarchal, unequal power relation between men and women. Feminism should be standing with trans people and fighting for their rights as they are intertwined with the rights of women and understand that gender-based oppression stems from the gender binary and Western gender roles. Therefore, these white liberal feminists, trans-exclusionary radical feminists, or TERFs as they're often called, included, are betraying their own beliefs and upholding the patriarchy by condemning trans people and the gender abolition movement. Ain't that fact, sis? <laughs> Furthermore, liberal feminism prioritizes assimilation into researching power structures such as the patriarchy. One of the damaging products of capitalism is the construct of a patriarchal society. Liberal feminism, however, promotes the idea that women can live under the patriarchy, which can be seen through the common phrase, hashtag girl boss. Someone who is referred to as a girl boss is a woman in a position of power, such as a CEO or vice president of the United States, like Kamala Harris. (laughs) The goal of hashtag girl boss is to make you believe that you can change the structure of oppression by changing the gender. This is problematic because being held in a position like a CEO in the first place means that workers, especially those within oppressed communities, are exploited. With that said, just because one woman is doing quote-unquote a man's job does not make anything better, nor is it empowerment. From a black feminist perspective, they quote-unquote acknowledge the connection between racism and poverty in this capitalist society, thereby rejecting middle-class strategies for women's liberation that disregarded the central 
centrality of class in poor and working class women's lives. Consequently, liberation of women is not a success under mainstream feminism due to its significant signs of continuing the effects of patriarchy and capitalism. There are still a group of victims under the power of someone, regardless of their gender. With that said, the inequitable system is not and will not be taken seriously. Capitalism and liberalism undermine a truly transformative feminism because ultimately minorities are still being harmed. So to recap what we just said, because that was a lot of information, um, in this episode, we define the term intersectionality, which basically asserts that some people experience more than one kind of oppression that affects them differently than other people. The voices of BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, people of color, and transgender people were highlighted in this episode, as feminism is not worth it without the intersectionality of said groups. In fact, it's not feminism. On the contrary, we emphasize the harmful effects with white women having the spotlight of feminism. After reviewing intersectionality, Sarah and I went over the products of capitalism, such as the patriarchy. A prime example showcased for the patriarchy was the classic hashtag girlboss phenomenon, a very common term under liberal feminism. Moving on to the solutions. So what are some beginner yet important tips to begin dismantling this problematic system? Sid and I will evaluate the following thoughts that mainstream feminists should consider. Number one, begin changing your mindset from an individualism point of view to collectivism. In other words, prevent having the I me my mindset and look at how these movements are spewing capitalist agendas. For instance, how empowering is it really for a CEO to be a woman? Number two, similarly, ask yourself the following questions when it comes to feminism. What do I know? Who am I speaking for? Who benefits from this? What are my motivations? Who am I with and where are we going with this movement? These questions are one of the very first steps towards a change from mainstream feminism. Number three, after changing this individualistic mindset, please listen to the following, but not limited to, groups of people, black people, indigenous people, women of color, LGBTQ community, especially transgender and non-binary people, immigrant people, disabled women, any non-cis or non-white people who are a part of the working class. Why is this significant? Well, we just said intersectionality is necessary for the feminist movement and combating oppression in general. Marginalized groups need to be the face of feminism. And number four, reevaluate the perception of equality rather and rather begin to consider liberation. Now more than ever, we need to develop and enact an intersectional feminist praxis. I want to say that again, an intersectional feminist praxis. For more information on this, look up intersectional feminists. A few amazing ones are Angela Davis, Alice Walker, and Marsha P. Johnson. And last but not least, and probably one of the most important ones out of the list, please, (laughs) please, please do not call yourself a girl boss unless you use it ironically, especially after learning the effects of girl bosses in the real world. (laughs) Anyways, thank you for listening to our episode, and until next time. Woo!